Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So I want to put words in your mouth, Pamela, but in trying to figure out and understand more about the legal age to purchase tobacco products in the state of Arizona... It's about as clear as mud right now. Yeah, exactly. You may remember uh, late December, you had the Trump administration come out and say that they were raising the age for all tobacco products to 21. So federal law, whether it's chew, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's vaping, whatever it is, you can't buy it unless you're 21. And the FDA had come out and said, this is immediate. This is something that is going to be happening immediately. Yeah, and I remember us covering it, hearing the news and thinking, OK, well, that's that 21. Not so much. Not so much. It is as clear as mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the president signed it, right? Okay. Well, the FDA has 180 days from that signature to approve the new age limit to buy tobacco products. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, you've got several months there that they can wait to approve it. But our news department called the FDA and said, is this immediate? And the FDA says, yes. Yeah, it went why? into effect immediately. Yeah, why do you ask? Um, <laughs> How but, crazy is but that? But then, you know, you've got the, this, the state attorney general, Mark Burnovich, says, although there's been a statute passed... The FDA still needs to figure out the rule as to how they're going to implement it. I guess the takeaway for folks, because, again, I've really been trying to understand this. And I've got another email from the AG's office as to what's happening. And I'm not going to bore you with it right now because it's taken me quite some time to dive into it to find out that it's still as clear as mud. So we don't need to go through that exercise on the air here with you. But uh, there is no change right now, it appears, to Arizona's law when it comes to having to be 21 to purchase tobacco. Because the AG's office is also looking into how the new federal age to buy buy tobacco affects state law. Because in Arizona, it is state law that you have to be 18 years old to buy tobacco. This is all over the place. And again, we talk about mixed messages. I mean, it still seems to be a little confusing. You say all over the place. Yeah, I think that's a kind way of putting it. I think everyone's trying to figure out what to do. Now, in essence, there are some like 30 states in this country that already have the, they've raised the tobacco age to 21. So As a state law. They've already done this. The federal law, the FDA, they're they're trying to impact the 20 other states of which Arizona is one of them that you can buy at 18. But here's the thing. Griselda Satina, one of our reporters from the KTAR News Department, has been the one working the story, and she's the one that I've been talking to and trying to fully understand what's going on, on and what's not. Good for you. Um, the, the AG's office is trying to figure that out. You and I are trying to figure that out. <laughs> you better believe that uh, 18 to 20-year-olds are trying to figure that out. Yeah. And oh, oh, wait. I so wait, are retailers. Well, because I don't think they're purposely... I mean, the last thing they want is, you know, the cops kicking in the door and saying you're like you're selling alcohol to underage kids. So after the story ran about how there's no change to Arizona, you know, to buy, buying age when it comes to tobacco, despite that federal law, Griselda got some calls from retailers saying, what do I do? They're calling us. And she's like, well, you have to do whatever you think is right. And this one retailer had said, well, um, I'm going to continue to sell to 18-year-olds because if it's not clear to the AG's office, why is it clear to me? And also, by not 
selling to 18-year-olds. He's losing out on money. Now, I got to believe, though, that some might take the opposite approach and say, the better safe than sorry. The last thing I need to do is have Mark Burnovich come knock on my door and tell me I'm breaking the law. So I'm going to go to 21, even though it's maybe not even clear. But you see how there is this confusion mm. with all of this. And and what are what are the rules going to be? I mean, I it's know. more than just you got to be 21 to, to buy tobacco, right? The FDA and the government, they got to make everything really complicated, right? So they got to come out with their complicated rules. And then once they make the complicated rules, then how do you implement the complemented the, the right. uh the rules like it's much easier to wave the magic wand and say you have to be 21 the actual practical application of this is is proving to be a much bigger issue so as we understand right now if you are 18 19 or 20 years old in the state of arizona you can still purchase tobacco products even though for the time being for the, to- for the time I, I, being. i'm not saying forever but a pa- and and if some I say this nicely. If one of them tells you no, the guy next door might say yes. Which is sad, you know, in in and of itself. Uh, it, it appears as though this is where we are right now. I would venture to say it's not going to be like this all year long. Okay. Um, but it is a state law. So are we going to change the state law? I mean, that I know we need to change the state law to 21 to, to, because to, of the to federal match up, law to mm-hmm. match up to federal yeah, law. Yeah, exactly. So there, there, there are other things that need to take place. And I just think that it's a, it's a valuable lesson too. you know, I fell into it where I'm like, oh, OK, this is a done deal. Okay. I thought we were done. Right. I didn't know it was an issue. Neither did I. And so I I think that, like, you know, again, getting below the headlines and getting to the details is important. And that's what we're trying to do. So here's something that I I admit that I do not understand. Hmm. So a lot of this is geared also specifically towards vaping. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, A lot of this is being driven by the concern of kids vaping because kids aren't turning to cigarettes and pipe tobacco. And I also think that had we not had the deaths and the injuries last year, that we wouldn't even really be talking about this. Yeah. So what I don't understand is if you are an 18 year old, and by the way, we are wildly popular with the 18 year olds. Said no 18 year old ever, but continue. (sighs) A boy can dream. (laughs) Um, are they I use the term legally purchasing their vape products at smoke shops and stores play along with me or is the black market and internet the default place that they go I don't under you see what I'm saying and so raising the age in the state of Arizona how much impact will that have on people that were like well I never went in and showed an ID to begin with I don't know I, you know what I'm yeah, saying? I don't know. Because I think of the kids today, like the idea of them walking into a store and buying something looks slightly hilarious when they have their food delivered to them. Yeah, but you're also assuming at this point in time that they all have you know credit cards or debit cards. Yeah. Because okay, you, you can't, yeah. you can't uh, get a 20 from mom for gas and then turn around and go buy a, a pod online with that 20 cash, right? You you got to have Venmo, PayPal. <laughs> there you there you go. Potentially, you yeah. Saying? I I get it. I is mom gonna Venmo you the money? Uh, you it's it's. I'm sure there are ways to mom, do it. Can you Venmo me some money? Kid, you know, kids are are pretty uh, ingenious when they it comes are. to these things. So I'm sure there's a way. And I'm showing my age by not knowing what it is. But I admit that. I'm like I, I'm I don't know the the number. I haven't seen it broken down to the numbers of again. Just let's use 18, 19, 20 year olds. Because my guess is there's 15, 16, 17-year-olds as well who might be using the same thing. Do you have a Venmo account? 
Yes. I'm annoyed by people who don't. Oh, I thought you were going to say annoyed by people that do. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm annoyed by people that don't. I've got PayPal. Oh, God, I've always had PayPal. Yeah. Uh, there's another one out there that like, I, I need to get my sister name. to get Venmo because it's like, you know, Your hey, I owe you. Your doesn't have Venmo. Because, hey, I owe you some money. And you're like, what, I got to give you a check? I what kind of a Luddite is that? I know, right? Oh, I man. Gotta, I know. I'm totally like sidetracking on this, but yeah. There's I, another I one out there. Hold on. I know. There's another one? Yeah. I don't need another one. Well, I don't need to confuse me. I'm not. Zell. Z-E-L-L-E. Okay. Zell is another one. Don't get me started. Why are and why does an Arizona lawmaker want to make it illegal to teach sex education before the seventh grade? And knowing seventh graders today, do you think they've picked up on the basics well before then? St. James and Pamela Hughes. I get accused of a lot of things. Most of them I do. Don't get me wrong. But one of them is, Pamela, that that in some way, shape, or form, we wield some sort of uh, bizarre anti-First Amendment censorship power on the Facebook. Uh, <laughs> our Facebook page, if you don't have a page or you have never gone through the settings, there's something called a profanity filter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it, you can set it like strict, yep. middle, or yep. not at all, right? Yep. And and our page, being that it's public, yep. and again, like I pointed out, very popular with the youths, um, we have it set so you can't use dirty words. So this plays into the next subject. I put up as our totally unscientific poll of the day, Pamela, at what age should sex, sex ed be taught in schools? Is it an effort to protect kids from learning about sex or an unrealistic perception and you could vote? We'll get to the voting in a second. And I went and looked and people are making comments. We've got hundreds of people have voted already. And then there's a lot of comments. But all the comments were hidden. And I'm like, what are these potty mouths doing? Uh How graphic are they getting? And I went and started looking because I can see the ones that it won't post. And I had to unhide them all because it hid all of them because they used the word sex in their post. Did you just say that on the radio? Well, apparently, I mean, are you going to get in trouble? Like, because somebody said, you know, teach abstinence with safe sex practice. That post was hidden. That was fu- that was hidden. And the only word in there I can think of is the word sex. There's yeah, well, no I dirty think there, words. I, I think there are probably some state legislators that would agree with banning the word. Thank sex. you very much. Yeah. And they're the same way. Why? Why would I think that they uh, they would be in favor of uh, banning the word sex? Well, because there is a proposal out from Republicans in the state legislature that would ban sex ed until the age uh, or the seven. Seventh grade, rather. How old is seventh grade? Ah, uh, thirteen. Four. Yeah, about okay. thirteen. Yeah, about thirteen years okay. old. Um, now, in in particular, this is Senator Sylvia Allen, uh, Republican out of Snowflake. She has been talking for months now, kind of telegraphing her punch that she wants to change and curtail how sex ed is being taught in schools. And I think that we also have to be careful because oh. in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I don't think it's necessarily sex ed it's more health class this is what's happening to your body that's what it was called if when i remember in school it was health class and there was like a um like a block that was geared towards sex because, yeah, that, because the boys talked about it. it right, exactly. We talked about it. it and I remember that you know being in 10th grade maybe like that part of it was was a lot older. I get it. But a lot of like how your body is changing, that that's all kind of being put into this curriculum and, and it is what in fact is changing. Um 
or not necessarily changing it. It's what they're they're trying to advocate it being changed. And I think that really what's happening here is more politics than anything. I honestly, th- there's an argument that, yeah, um, are you trying to protect kids or adults from having a difficult conversation? Mm-hmm. I think there's part of it there. But I think that there's a bigger play. What's that? In the last midterm election... Something strange happened in the state of Arizona. Okay. You had state offices that we elected Democrats to. And one of those offices was the State Department of Education. Which, by the way, we we hadn't had so many D's win statewide office in quite some time. So now you have a Democrat in Kathy Hoffman who is running the State Department of Education. And now you have a barrage of Republicans that are levying these wild accusations about what Superintendent Hoffman wants to do with sex ed Uh in Arizona. Well, again, using Facebook example, just using the word sex in a sentence seems to uh, uh, make some people think you're, you're talking dirty. And it seems to be that they're whipping up all this frenzy over a book. And the book is called It's Perfectly Normal. Now, this book, I think, would be appropriate for parents to have conversations, hard conversations with kids. Because I'll tell you this, when Riley, my now 10-year-old, was about four, she was adamant about finding out where babies came from. Oh, God. At four. At four. And she kept asking until like five. And you know what? No, I'm not going to tell her storks. But I didn't really know how to have that conversation. I admit it. I can't imagine. So, you know what? I said, I I talked to her like she's an adult. I looked at her. I'm like, so listen, um, I'm going to answer any question you have, but I need a little time to answer the question. Okay. And she looks at me like, you don't know? No, I know know the answer. I I do know. (laughs) I just don't know how to have that conversation with you yet. I said, can you give me a little time? She's like, okay. Yeah. So you know what? I went on Amazon where all parents go. So researching books and I bought a book. Okay. And then I got the book and I sat down and I just read that section with her. Oh, and it was very factual. Uh-huh. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh-huh. But factual. And I kind of gauged when she had gotten enough. She had gotten enough and it was done. All right. So if this is a book that parents go and get Mm -hmm. to have the conversation with their kids because they don't know how to have it. Hey, hats off to parents. I think it's entirely appropriate. Some of the stuff that's in the book, I don't think is appropriate for an education setting. Here's the thing, though. There's no evidence that this book is ever being used in any Arizona class. And Um. the fact that you've got state legislators out there claiming that the Democratic state superintendent of public instruction wants to hand these books out to kindergartners is blatantly false. It's fear-mongering. And it's it's political. Here's what I don't understand fully. What is the argument and what is the end result and goal of being forbidden by law from educating kids on, be it abstinence, safe sex, your body, you you see what I'm saying? Until the seventh grade. Is the assumption that Senator Sylvia Allen is making that fourth, fifth, sixth graders, and God knows I don't want to go any lower than that because then we get into Baby Riley. But, but you know what I mean? That They don't have questions. They're not curious. They can't find this information out through God knows what sources on the Internet, on their phone, wherever it might be. Wouldn't you – the idea that – and I tend to subscribe to this having – being around the kids I'm around. They grow up pretty darn quick these days. And – 
they are aware of the world around them much but, more but than we used to. But it's scary. It's scary how quickly kids are growing. I don't up. disagree. Okay, so so that that scares parents how quickly it's happening. But it's not and you sex try ed class. No, but you, it, you try to protect them from so many things that they're being exposed to yeah. way too early, in my opinion. Um, but you, as the parent, need to be the one kind of driving that conversation in certain regards. I think what you're seeing here is a fear of like the LGBTQ community, how that's being conveyed in sex education. There's a religious aspect to some of this. It's an opt-in, all right? So you, you've got to agree to yeah, it. And as long as parents have that option, what's the problem? Hey, you know what? Barrett Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auction, returns to Westworld of Scottsdale this Saturday through January 19th. We're giving you a chance to win tickets and your shot at a pair of VIP passes. To enter, just head on over to the rewards page at KTIR.com right now. Some senders got a top-secret closed-door briefing on the strikes in Iran. They came out of it less than pleased. We'll give you the latest on that coming up next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Is the outrage real or just another show? There was a closed door meeting amongst senators in the skiff. Am I the only one that every time they say the skiff, when they say the skiff, I immediately think they're talking about a little bitty boat. Uh, And I'm like, they had a meeting in a boat? No, the the skiff is this secure uh, room where they have highly sensitive meetings. Like you can't bring a cell phone into them, things like that, that members of Congress are allowed to go in. So they had a meeting where uh, the intelligence community, the Pentagon, made a briefing to a group of senators And after you had some senators come out saying they were less than enthused with the presentation, like 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 they didn't bring enough PowerPoint. Yeah. When you hear that there is controversy surrounding the briefing that senators received, you go, okay, you know, what? Democrats are at it again. Nothing they get is ever good enough. You know, blah, 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 blah. But when you find out that we get Democrats. Said all those things. Predictably said all yeah. those things. But what was kind of surprising where the controversy is coming into play is it wasn't just Democrats. Mm-mm. You actually had Republicans. You had oh, in particular Senator Mike Lee of, mm-hmm. of Utah, who being questioned after this meeting had this to say. It was probably the worst briefing I've seen, at least on a military issue, in the nine years I've served in the United States Senate. Again, I don't know what curve he's grading on, but but the the point being that senators were invited into this meeting ostensibly to understand more of the rationale, the intelligence behind it, so they could feel more comfortable that these decisions being made are being made in national security interests, right? They should know this. I would argue they, they should. should know this. Do do you and I need to know? They don't need to invite me to the skiff. OK, you know, and there are certain things for operational purposes, national security and protection of our troops that we're not going to have the president step to the, the podium and tell us all of these things. And you know what? That's OK. But I think that our elected 
members of of Congress should have this information. Lee, Lee has been speaking since then, and and I know that he's kind of struggled because you're not supposed to give out secrets in it, right? But he did say this that that there was some back and forth. Okay, they were allowed to ask some questions, although they didn't get answers. And one of the questions, he won't say that he asked this, but he's saying in this meeting, if President Trump made the decision to assassinate the supreme leader of Iran, the president, the, 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 the religious leader, would he need to come to Congress to get the authorization for it? The briefers would not say and would not answer that question and would not say whether they believe they already had the authorization to assassinate a foreign head of a nation. OK, so and he found that. Troubling. Disturbing. Yeah, he found that troubling. And and I get it. I get it. But I think I want, I want to be clear for people that they're not arguing over whether or not Soleimani was a bad guy. No. They're arguing over power. This is over power right now. Who has the power? Well, Congress is supposed to have the power to declare war mm-hmm. and the, the sole responsibility of that but they've shirked that responsibility my entire life so i don't know there's a certain point where i feel like you know uh you haven't taken responsibility ever why start now but but the argument is that when you because because again republicans are against war when a democrat is president democrats are against war when a republicans president you know and then then when your guy gets elected all of a sudden rally around so so having republicans stand up to a republican president is the argument sure that gives it some credibility okay so along those lines of a question that may or may not have been asked when it comes to killing the supreme leader would they have to come to congress to get that that approval and they didn't get a straight answer Answer. Wouldn't answer. Well, the president was asked if he would consult Congress on further action. Take a listen to what he had to say there. Would you go to Congress to take further military action against Iran? Would you seek congressional approval? It would all depend on the circumstance. I don't have to, and you shouldn't have to be able, because you have to make split-second decisions sometimes. Sometimes you have to move very, very quickly, John. But in certain cases, I wouldn't even mind doing it. Okay, there's a lot there. Um, Both sides of it. But the, the, the point being that, again, if you believe in the, the, the assassination of General Soleimani, we assassinated the number two person in the Iranian government. If you do that, it's an act of war. I mean, it, it, he's a terrorist. Okay, it's still an act of war. This this isn't a guy in a cave. This is a member of the government. So if you're saying you can assassinate the president, the prime minister of a nation, and you have to do it in split second and you don't have to go with Congress, how is that? How is anybody okay with that? Well, everyone's been okay with it, again, my entire lifetime. The last time... Congress authorized a war was in the 40s, the 40s, 1940s. They've shirked that responsibility my entire lifetime. And now you've got the House that's trying to change that. You, They're supposed to be voting on that today. And, and I think one of the big developments out of all of this is that, again, Republican Senator Mike Lee said that he would now join the War Powers Resolution that's been introduced by Democrat Senator Tim Kaine. So are you going to start seeing some Republicans peel off? I don't think you're going to have too many. I really don't. I think that this is potentially a blip on the radar. It's the war of words between Senator Mike Lee and uh, throw Rand Paul into that with Lindsey Graham. I'm I'm going to credit 
Senators Lee and Paul for having some principles in this because what they're doing is unpopular with the Trump fans. Because anytime you say something negative, but where were yeah. their principles any other time we've gone to war? Rand Paul is anti-war all the time. To his credit, he's 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 he doesn't want to fund wars. He wants out of. He's a, he's relatively consistent on that. But the fact that you have someone taking an unpopular position, I'm going to argue. Okay, so maybe he has some principles. So, like you said. If they vote on a War Powers Act, if they vote to restrain the president, be on record. He, might, he might be one of the ones that crosses the aisle. And, and then you have senators being on record because, again, if for some odd reason the, the Senate would actually pass this, it goes to the president and he'd veto it. So you see the problem you're in. Yeah. The, Who's gonna, who else is going to stick their neck out? President. And by the way, not just this one. No presidents ever thought they had too much power. They don't have enough. They don't have nearly Not enough. nearly enough. I should be able to do what I want when I want. That's a king. That's a dictator. That is not a representative democracy. And I don't blame the president for wanting all the power in the world. I blame Congress for not reeling it back in. There you go. Both sides. Didn't oh, do it under yeah. Obama. Didn't do it under Bush. Both Haven't sides. done it since the 40s. There you go. Might be one of the reasons why you need to have your faith in humanity restored. Pamela says she could do that for you. Coming up next. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. How is your dry January going? Good, thanks. Is it? Yeah. Did you make a purposeful plot to stop drinking on January 1st? No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, uh, no. There, there were some some health things going on, so I haven't. But I haven't drank since January first, and okay. I dry January. I didn't intend to it. It wasn't like a resolution, like I know so many people have made. It's a thing. It is a thing. And you know what? I kind of like it. Uh, allegedly, one in five of you are uh, trying to avoid alcohol to start the new year. Now, can I just say, as the non-drinker, mm-hmm. as, and, and me for the last the way, oh, um, nine days. <laughs> you've been you've been dry for nine days. I've been dry for a hell of a lot longer. Okay, decades of dry. Um, it strikes me that. Because you know that I I think uh, New Year's Eve is a drinking holiday. Yeah. I also think um, Cinco de Mayo. St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Fourth of July to a certain extent. Day before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Christmas. Oh, sorry. Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) Every day in September. No, that these are drinking holidays. They are holidays where alcohol is an expected part of it. Okay. So, so color me as a little skeptical that dry January could also be dry July 5th, uh, dry March 18th and on that the day after these drinking holidays, you get a lot of people like, I'm never doing that again. No, but this has actually been something that has become quite popular over the last couple of years. It started in the UK and it's kind of spread across the pond here to the United States. And I think that, you know, nobody's ever thought that alcohol was a health food, except unless it's red wine. Let's just be clear. Get that out of the way. But I think you just have people that are trying to become healthier. You hear the term wellness, right? It's like a catch-all phrase. And this is kind of falling into it. Does it mean it's something that they're going to do forever? No. no, they're not going teetotal. But, but you know what? Is it something that they want to dabble in? Yeah, that's why the term sober curious has also become so popular. Can I tell you that I'm angry, though? Oh, why? I'm outraged because I hear that dry January, giving up alcohol, yeah. right? Well, we're talking about better sleeping, better eating, better, better skin care. Ha-ha. You save money. Hold yep. on. Yep. 
Where am I supposed to go to do all right, that? Right, exactly. I, apparently, I was already there, and I'm not happy with any of it. You're not saving the money. You're no! not getting better sleep. You're no! scared. All these things. No. Do I need to take up drinking and then stop to get the benefits? I would advise that. You I think no? no? I, don't think, I don't think that'll be quite the way you Because I, you think I it feel would. like I, I don't You're have to out. give up. <laughs> And I'm missing out on You're all like, these what positive benefits. What do I give benefits? up in order to get the positive exactly. benefits? You're already getting the positive benefits. They're just normal for you. They're not normal for I'm most very people. Ang- I'm outraged at this, for goodness sakes. I, I, I think it's horrible. There, I mean, I, I do understand that there is a financial angle to it, though. Oh, right? yeah. That, totally. That, that especially if you're going out like, like Stevie Z. I assume that's what the kids do these days. Out at the club. But they don't dance like the way you just they dance. They don't dance they do like that I now. dance. Uh, out at the club and you're... you're you're, you're getting the, uh, yeah, I'll have two whatevers. Don't make me order. Uh, <laughs> absolute sea breezes. Wow. Okay. I had, a fr- I had a friend girl that drank absolute sea breeze. I don't know what's in it. I just know it's like a I cosmopolitan. It. It's like high sex in the city called. They want their drink. And back. I knew re- roughly how much it cost because okay. I could just go, yeah, I need an absolute sea breeze. Okay. I was getting it for baby doll, Good. not for me. Wow. I'm learning a lot right here. But uh, yeah, I feel bad that I don't have anything to give up. Like dry January. Oh, I'm sure I could come up with a few things you could give up. Okay. You know what? Now it it just got real. Might be one of the reasons. Dry January alone might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to hell in a handbasket. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. And I love this story today. So we got to go back a few years. and, And that's where you get brothers, Aaron and Evan. They're in high school. They're athletes. They're looking to make a couple extra bucks. So they they created the Meathead Movers. All right. Meathead movers. They wanted to help people move, make a couple extra bucks. Back then, it was the 1997. Their fee was usually $20 and a pizza. Okay? <laughs> They're making ends meet here, but their business began to grow. And occasionally, the brothers would get a frantic phone call from a woman with no money who quickly needed to move out of her abuser's home. And these two kids at the time, always sympathetic and not taking any money for it, would rush to the address, load up the belongings and help the woman escape. But then there was a day that came in 2000 when the abuser came home in the middle of the move. Things got a little dicey. At that point in time, the brothers decided to partner up with a local women's shelter. Fast forward years from now, and they are in Santa Barbara, Ventura, Orange County, Los Angeles, San Diego counties. They open a new office within the first week. They go to a local women's shelter and they knock on the doors. They've helped women escape the abuse that they are encountering at home. And now they are starting another organization. It's called Move to End Domestic Violence, and they're going to different companies around their offices and seeing what those other companies can do to help women rebuild their lives and move into their first home after an apartment. That's tremendous. What's yeah. the name again? Meathead Movers? Meathead Movers. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Pamela, restoring your faith in humanity. We glance through the double-pane bulletproof glass in the room over there. It's uh, DJ Kevy Kev today, right? And we got him over there. We've got Super Producer Stevie Z and Bob McClay. He's sticking around. He's got news, traffic, weather, info, everything you need to know. 